1: Welcome to Fantasy Football Today, DFS. My name is Sian Ajab. That's Mike McClure. This is our special Monday night football episode for Showdown. It's wildcard weekend, so we're going to throw you a wild card episode. Mike, how you doing? How was your weekend? I know you had a, a pretty sizable bet on that game last night, and it, it came through under very interesting circumstances,
2: right? Very, very interesting circumstances. I had not hedged any of the games all week. I was about to hedge as the Ravens were about to score that touchdown when it became six points the other direction. Uh, That was incredibly fortunate. So uh, it was a great weekend for me. Yeah,
1: you know, it goes to show that some of these underdog teams, some of these heavy underdogs, even in the Miami situation with Skylar Thompson, I mean, they they compete. It's not just about the quarterback. I mean, the the Miami Dolphins are a well-coached team. They really battled the Bills. I I can make the argument that all the underdogs – played better than than the favorites. I mean, obviously in the Giants case, yep. that's the case. But I mean, I, I actually think the Ravens should have won that game. And, and Mike, it surprises me more than anybody. And and for the record, maybe that's just a good transition into this game because we have a, a, pretty, a pretty tight game from a point spread standpoint. It's the Cowboys versus the Buccaneers. And FYI, it's a 45 and a half point total. Let me just start out before we get into the players for showdown. Let me start out by asking you this. You know, Mike, we put out plays on Sportsline. We put out official plays. We're on the early edge all the time. We'll be on the early edge tonight for this very game at 7.30, talking Cowboys, Bucks, props, things of that nature. One thing I'm really leaning into right now, and it might be a Sportsline official pick that I make right after this show, is the under of 45 and a half in this game. I feel like that's a touch high, but again, it's a feeling right now. It's nothing I've solidified. Where are you at? Because I think that plays well into how we're going to play this showdown.
2: Yeah, no, it definitely does. Uh, And I will say from a computer standpoint, I think the numbers should be closer to 42, 42 and a half. Um, You know, between 41 and 44, absolutely critical numbers. I know this is not a betting show. I talked about it last night on the early edge, why we wanted to go play the over last night because the total had dipped to 40, 41 being such a critical number. There it lands. Went over the closing number under the opening number. Uh, just shows you how key those numbers are here. So I think, like you, this one's a touch too high. But when people see the total north of 44, they see 45s, and they can see 47s, 48s, uh, it definitely influences the way people build DFS lineups. Um, so I am with you here uh, on the game script itself. Uh, I do have a lean towards the under Um But of course, I will be building lineups for a couple different scenarios. I'll be building one for the scenario where this game is 20 to 17. And I'll be building one where the score in this game is, you know, 34, 31. Uh, So that that's something we'll talk about throughout the show, what those different lineups might look like. But my basic build, which I think is a little bit contrarian, I think a lot of people think over in this game uh, is going to be neutral to under.
1: Yeah. And speaking of the word basic, for those of you that just aren't used to showdown or you don't like to play showdown, but you've you've decided to play this week because it's the playoffs and we have this singular Monday night game. Game script is really important. How you think the game is going to flow is really important. It's not one of those things where you just take the best value at each sort of price tier and you call it a day. You really have to try to understand how you think the game is going to go. And once you decide that, that's how you decide. In other words, let's just give an example. Maybe you think this is going to be a lower scoring game and maybe you think it's going to be a lower scoring game because the the field goal teams are going to be on and that the quarterbacks aren't going to be converting passes into touchdowns. So you might want to have some skill players like let's say you think Fournette and Godwin and. I don't know, uh, Tony Pollard are going to have good games. And I think all three of those could have really flash games, by the way. But if you think it's going to be maybe a field goal game, maybe an under game, maybe you take a field goal kicker or two there too. And and then you add a sixth piece, maybe it's another pass catcher or a tight end like a Dalton Schultz, for example. So that's not, I'm not like building a lineup because maybe that doesn't make complete sense. But my point is, is if you think it's going to be a running game, a short area passing game, and then those don't get converted into touchdowns, but they get converted into field goals. Well, then now you've built yourself a game script. You've established that it's going to be a lower scoring game and you have the pieces that you think are going to be converting the actual fantasy points uh, in, in this uh, in this showdown. So something to think about game script is really important. Obviously, the reverse of that would be shootouts. you got the quarterbacks in there or at least a quarterback in there with pass catchers and no field goal kickers, no defenses, things of that nature. Mike, let's get it started with you know, I I wonder how you want to do this showdown episode in the sense that we could go position by position, but then I, I don't know. Like, I, I think that's maybe how we should do it. Let's start with Dak and Tom Brady. I, you know, I think if you look at their, if you look at their props, which I think is very instructive here, you know, Tom Brady has a completion prop of 28 and a half. That's really high, but that that's not really high for Tom, like Tom Brady. That's normal for Tom Brady, but that's really high in general. Normally, even on, Uh, a good day for a quarterback that's going to have a lot of completions. You're looking at 23 and a half, 24 and a half, 28 and a half is a lot. His yardage prop is 276 and a half. Dak conversely is 21 and a half, which is like more of the normal range. Part of the reason for this, for those of you that don't know, is Brady passes the ball a ton. I think he's in his career, he's never had this many pass attempts, never had this many completions. It's just what he does. He gets the ball out very fast. They're an inefficient team when it comes to running the football And that'll be true this week against the Cowboys, who have a pretty good rush defense. My question here for you is, are there game stacks where you're building with Tom Brady or Dak Prescott?
2: Definitely, Uh, definitely, definitely. So I've got a ton of Tom Brady exposure. I've actually got all my exposures up on Sportsline right now. Uh, Typically, in these kind of slates, we see... When we're talking about where we're playing a captain, we see a lot more wide receivers and skill position players just because they, they have upside through receptions, 100 yard bonuses, things like that. Brady is by far the uh, the top captain for me tonight. Um, he's got a very strong chance of hitting the 300 yard bonus. You mentioned all of the uh, passing attempts and completions looking at. At Tom Brady, and, and you know they may not win games, they may not put up a lot of points, but he's a unique case where he can still score the most amount of fantasy points while his team only puts up 17 points because mm-hmm. of the volume uh, in in the passing. When you look at the passing here, you mentioned that completions number of 28 and a half being insanely high. He has gone over that in every single game, except for the Week 10 game in Seattle and it wasn't in Seattle, that was the Germany game where they flew across <laughs> across the world to play the game. That was the only one. Uh, every other game, essentially, um, since week seven, he has been over 28 and a half completions. Um, he, he's going to throw the football a ton. It makes a ton of sense. He's my favorite captain tonight, and which is, like I said, a little contrarian because you typically are looking for the upside that a wide receiver scoring two touchdowns can provide. Um, but yeah, Brady's a top captain for me. And is
1: Dak in consideration for you? Cause let me ask you this just from the jump, like I'm going to build three or four showdown lineups in, in single entry contests in showdown. Is this going to be a night where you're doing the 150, or are you just going to be building three to five lineups tonight? Uh, five lineups. I play five on, on these showdown slates. Yep. And, and will Dak be making an appearance in the captain spot in any of them? My, my guess is the answer to that is no, but does he make it into one of those five lineups?
2: He'll make it in the five lineups for sure. Uh, I firmly believe you should be playing both quarterbacks if you're playing a cash game. Um, You you should, whether or not either one of them is in the captain spot. I will not have Dak in the captain spot of the five that I enter. However, I do have Dak as the fourth best captain uh, from my simulations, which is up on SportsLine. I'll go ahead and read those off. Or do you want to talk about, you want to talk about just captain exposure overall next? Yeah, let's talk about captain exposure. That's a good idea. Okay, so captain exposure here. I have seven players that I've put in the captain spot uh, from running the simulations. Brady is one, two is Godwin, three is Evans. Makes a lot of sense, his two top pass catchers. Number four is Dak. Number five is Tony Pollard. Number six might surprise some people, but it is Cade Otten. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why is the price point on Cade Otten. The price point on Cade Otten, this is, again, all computer-generated lineups, Right. When you have that scenario where Kate Otten has the game where he scores a touchdown, essentially, his price point where he is at the top here, I believe he's, what, 2,700 in the captain spot? Mm-hmm. You can have a lineup that allows you to play. I'll, I'll read this one to you, right? Kate Otten at captain, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Tony Pollard.
1: Wow. So that's you can insane. play all
2: of those players there. So that's why the computer likes him so much in the scenario and in the simulations where Kate Otten catches one, maybe even two, but it's really just catching one touchdown pass from Tom Brady. He is incredibly likely to be an optimal captain tonight, especially if this game does not shoot out. He's not going to be the optimal captain. If this game is 34, 31, he can very well be the optimal captain tonight. If this game is 2017, 24, 17, like we think, Um, Mm -hmm. very, very possible. And in that game script where he becomes the optimal captain because he's so cheap on a value standpoint, the guys that are likely to be around him are not necessarily some of those third and fourth options. It's likely just the volume guys that don't land in the end zone. It's the guys like Evans Godwin that might rack up five catches, 50 yards, but not land in the end zone. Those scores will be optimal if Kate Otten is the one who lands in the end zone.
1: I love the game theory there for sure. You mentioned a couple of guys that I think we can move on to. By the way, those of you in the chat, Cody says Duval. What a game, man. I I wish I was a Jaguars fan. Uh, I'm a Washington Commanders fan. So I haven't felt that feeling in a long time. But, you know, real quick, Mike, how do you feel about the Jacksonville Jaguars? They're they're going to play your Chiefs. I believe they're, what, seven, eight point dogs. Maybe it's eight and a half at this point. Um, Jacksonville looks really shaky to me and i think this is a they're probably walking into like a quite the dungeon here do you like kansas city to roll all over them or because kansas city can get exposed uh, defensively do you like jacksonville to move the ball
2: i think jacksonville's going to find some success moving the ball um you know i think jacksonville would have won that game i mean i look they did the great comeback that they had against the chargers like incredibly improbable to come back in a playoff game like they did they they figured it out Peterson abandoned the run a little too quickly in that game. Uh, We kind of talked about it, that it would happen that way. I don't think that I think they'll learn from that. I don't think they'll do that quite as much against Kansas City. So I think that they're going to be able to make the game competitive. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Kansas City should still handily win the game. Uh, But I I certainly think Jacksonville is capable of sneaking in the back door at eight and a half, nine and a half. Um, It's very interesting that the market has moved it down to nine or from nine and a half to eight and a half already. Uh, sportsbooks typically aren't excited to hang a game at eight and a half if they don't have to, just because it then introduces a, a very profitable teaser leg at minus two and a half if they have it at eight mm-hmm. and a half versus mm-hmm. nine where you have it at three. And when you push on a teaser leg, the teaser loses. So it's very, very strong signal to see that thing move to eight and a half versus nine and a half or nine. Um, because again, it opens up all of the teaser leg possibilities, especially when you have other teaser legs out there, like say Philly, for example, if you like them to win at minus seven, uh, you're bringing that down to minus one. It's just interesting to see how strong the market movement is. So I think it's a pretty strong signal that the Jaguars should be very competitive in this game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's get back on track. I want to talk about Leonard Fournette and Tony Pollard. Those are the two running backs, personally, Mike, that – and by the way, hi, Ryan, Desmond, Andrew, Josh, Matt, Cody, everybody in here. Thank you for being in here. Hit the like button if you can. Review the podcast if you can. Leonard Fournette and Tony Pollard are the two running backs I want to play. I think – listen – when It comes to Tony Pollard, obviously, he's getting a true split with Ezekiel Elliott, but it's the playoffs now. And I understand Ezekiel Elliott's going to get his fair share of carries, but in terms of quality carries, in terms of getting to the outside and perhaps getting some receptions uh, or maybe a, a spike in receptions, I feel like Tony Pollard is that guy. And you mentioned as one of your potential optimal captains, you know, certainly not in the top two, but you know, on the board within the top five, I believe is what you said. I like Tony Pollard a lot in this game. I understand there's risk there from a volume standpoint. But speaking of volume, I also like Leonard Fournette. We know he can get a lot of the pass-catching work. He's probably going to get the lion's share of the carries between him and Rashad White. It is the playoffs after all. Uh, (laughs) Do you like either of those two guys? Are they fitting into your five lineups? And if so, to what extent are they fitting into your five lineups?
2: Yeah, they're definitely fitting in, definitely on Leonard Fournette over Rashad White. Um, Fournette is the guy that's got massive range of outcomes and can get there in many game scripts, right? So the game script, they're dominating. He could run the ball 20 times still. Uh, we've seen him do it three or four times this season. Uh, in the game script where it's ultimately competitive, the, he's going to be involved, you know, with 10 to 12 carries and, and three or four catches. In the game script where they are behind or in a real, real dogfight, he might have 10 catches in this game. Um, I I think that that's very, very in the cards. Uh, Let's see, as far as my overall exposure to him, I have Leonard Fournette in about 33% of lineups, Tony Pollard in 20% at flex, but also 10% at the captain. Uh, So I I like that a lot. I want to give you what a potential Tony Pollard lineup would look like when we're talking captain. Because, uh, again, I've run all the numbers here. I've got them over here. I can show you what the simulation looks like for every lineup there. A Tony Pollard captain lineup also looks like Dak Prescott in the flex, Tom Brady in the flex, Chris Godman in the flex, and then Kate Otten and Dalton Schultz. Wow. That's a great lineup. Yes. Uh, you know, we'll just look at some of those correlations there. That That's the thing that uh, I think we should talk about quite a bit here. We don't typically see a ton of correlation between quarterback and running back. Not all the time. I mean, there is some, but Tony Pollard's strongest correlation is going to be Dak Prescott. The strongest correlation on the other side is going to be Chris Godwin. Uh, So definitely, if you're playing Tony Pollard in the captain spot, include Dak Prescott and definitely include Chris Godwin on the bringback.
1: I love that. Yeah, that 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 is a great lineup. Again, I'm probably going to be a little overweight on Tony Pollard because um, I like him to flash. I just love the ceiling potential of Tony Pollard. And I just love the idea of the Cowboys maybe finally realizing, hey, maybe we need to make this split, you know, 65-35 or at least 60-40 Tony Pollard's way instead of, you know, 55-45 what it's been most of this season with Zeke getting the better end of that um, I think we can move on to the wide receivers now. And by the way, I I assume you're not playing Ezekiel Elliott. You mentioned Rashad White, doesn't sound like you're playing him, but I assume you're not playing Ezekiel Elliott.
2: I have exactly zero percent exposure to Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and it's, just it's from like, terrifying at times because he he does get the goal line work. Um, yeah.
1: From a game theory standpoint, if I were making five lineups, would it make sense for me to be invested in him like in one or two to potentially be overweight or is he getting enough ownership where you're not getting ownership leverage if you play him in a couple lineups?
2: yeah i don't think you're getting the ownership leverage Uh, i'm gonna try and pull him up quickly here i don't think that uh let's see Yeah, I I mean, it's possible. He's not going to be super popular at all on DraftKings. So if you like him and want to bet on those touchdowns, I I think that that's fine. Uh, If you're going to do that, I would probably drop your overall exposure to guys like CeeDee Lamb and Dak Prescott, though. Because the only scenario where Zeke pops is the two goal line touchdowns. Right. Okay.
1: Well, let's talk about those pass catches. You mentioned CeeDee Lamb. So we're going to get into the receivers on both sides of the ball. We've talked a little bit about Chris Godwin, but there's certainly more to talk about. But before we do that, we are going to hear a message from our partners.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.
1: And we are back. This is Fantasy Football Today DFS. My name is Cena Jad. That's Mike McClure. Hit the like button, subscribe to this channel, and of course, review the podcast when you get a chance. Let's talk about the pass catchers. So let me start out by saying this: the, the, the two guys with the highest yardage totals from a from a prop standpoint. We've got CeeDee Lamb at 73 and a half yards. We've got Chris Godwin. 67 and a half. And again, this is really just instructive more than anything. It's not necessarily the gospel, but these are clearly the guys that people are going to want to jam into their lineups. I'm more inclined to jam in Chris Godwin rather than CD lamb, because Mike, I see the, you know, if you look at the reception props, of course, Godwin's is going to be the higher one. And we see him getting the volume, especially in that short area, quick passing game, quick release game from Tom Brady. So Godwin's going to be a staple in a lot of my lineups. Is he a staple in a lot of your lineups? And does CeeDee Lamb make his way in there? If so, does it take a particular game script for you to put him in there?
2: Yeah, so they both make it in there heavily, uh, more so on Godwin, but uh, I'm definitely on both. So Godwin is actually my second highest captain. I've got him in 20%. So what that means when I say 20%, when I run it, I run 100 lineups. I let the computer run 100 lineups, look at the numbers. He appears as the optimal captain in 20% of those 100, uh, which is a significant number. Um so I'm all over Chris Godwin. He I have him in 47% of the flex as well, but I do have a ton of CD Lamb. And the thought process here on CD Lamb is we're looking at a game like you and I talked about earlier that may not be a shootout. That may be a competitive football game. They might have a lot of action between the 20s, may really struggle to to put some of the the touchdowns in the end zone here, right? So I like CD Lamb as a high value play. Just because I think that his floor is still pretty high, Uh, I think that the floor on CD Lamb, even you know, we typically play guys like CD Lamb for the upside. Uh, I think the floor is high enough here, um, that I'm going to end up playing him in most of my lineups, but they're not going to be CD Lamb captains again. I'm not focused on his upside today, I'm focused on the floor,
1: yeah, and for the record. You know, the, the Bucks are relatively healthy in the secondary, whereas, by the way, the, the Cowboys really aren't. But with that said, Lamb lines up in the slot quite a bit more than half the time. And if there is a vulnerability to that Bucks, I mean, they're vulnerable across the board to some degree. But if there's more of a vulnerability, it is to slot wide receivers. So I, I definitely see CeeDee Lamb being a, a high value target on the Dallas side. What other pass cat? Well, let's let's leave out Dalton Schultz. Let's talk about the receivers. Is there anybody, because there's somebody in the chat mentioning T.Y. Hilton, who has been getting you know, four or five targets. He hasn't been getting a ton of snaps, but when he's on the field, he's getting targeted with those snaps. So I think he's maybe a low value option, but guys like Noah Brown, Michael Gallup, any of these guys making it into the conversation for you, or listen, you're, you're taking C.D. Lamb and that's just the receiver you're taking a stand on.
2: Yeah, I'm mostly taking a stand on C.D. Lamb. Uh, I do have a little bit of Gallup, a little bit of Noah Brown, a little bit of T.Y. Hilton, but they're very insignificant, uh, ownership shares of them. Um, you know, Ty Hilton, he shows up in 5% of lineups. So in a hundred lineups, he shows up in five of them. Um, you know, if you want to play him, I, I think he's certainly valid. The scenario where you're playing T Y Hilton is likely a scenario where the bucks are winning this game pretty easily. Right. In my opinion, I, I think that the idea of playing T Y Hilton, yes, he can get, have one big play early in the game but i think getting there reliably is likely because cd lamb has struggled mightily they're in more three and four wide sets because they're trailing so i wouldn't recommend throwing him in as an optimal captain like i have with kate otten you know those low price players i would throw him in the flex building on those lineups where either tom brady has had a huge day leonard fournette has had a huge day or chris goblin has had a huge day
1: Speaking of Chris Godwin, we know you like him. I certainly like him quite a bit as well, but you also mentioned Mike Evans. Obviously, Julio Jones is active for this game. Guys like Russell Gage, who, you know, Julio, Russell, not not huge contributors. You're, you know, I know you're looking at Kate Otten for value, at least from a pass catcher standpoint. I know he's a tight end, but Mike Evans, like for me, I'm personally kind of out on Mike Evans. I understand he can beat me with just one play. Um, but, you know, I think we we remember what he did against CJ Henderson a couple weeks ago and we're like, oh, I really want to recapture that. And I totally get it. But I don't think I want to pay for Mike Evans just because the it, because the volume might be so low. But then I get the spike potential too. You're obviously playing the spike potential here. Anything in particular about Mike Evans where you just like this matchup?
2: Uh, honestly, not really. He he really is not a great wide receiver at getting separation, which is what I think you want here. He, he's a big-bodied possession guy. I, I think he can definitely score touchdowns, um, but I don't really envision the game where they hit him deep four times in this one uh, for multiple scores. So how I would elect to play Evans would honestly only be in a Tom Brady captain lineup. So I want the Tom Brady captain lineup, which means he is evenly distributing some of these passing touchdowns Say the scenario where Tom Brady has three passing touchdowns, one to Godwin, one to Evans, one to Kate Otten. That is certainly going to lead to a game where Tom Brady is the optimal captain, but you still need Mike Evans in in the flex. Um, I don't envision the scenario where it's three deep balls all landing as touchdowns to Mike Evans again. I I don't think that that is a likely scenario at all uh, in this particular matchup. I will say that... I'm going to give you a Chris Goblin lineup and then a Mike Evans lineup just to kind of, or at least talk about the, the correlations because they are quite different. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you do want to play a Mike Evans captain lineup, that is a lineup where I think you want CD Lamb because the way Mike Evans becomes the optimal captain is deep shots for touchdowns, multiple, which is going to lead to just a ton of CD Lamb volume, in, in my opinion. So that's where I'd want to play him. Whereas if you're playing Chris Goblin in the captain, the correlations are much different. It's more correlated with Dalton Schultz. It's more correlated with a game that's kind of held in check a little bit because the way Godwin gets there is through sheer volume, short uh, passes, things like that. Um, so let me let me read you a, a Godwin lineup quickly. Godwin at captain, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, Dalton Schultz, Kate Otten, and Leonard Fournette. So the way it looks there is it's Godwin lands in the end zone. They move the ball down the field. They're hitting Leonard Fournette. They're hitting Kate Otten. On the other side, it's Dak Prescott throwing over the middle of Dalton Schultz. That lineup is not winning in a 31-34 to 34 game. That lineup can definitely win 24-17 game.
1: Yeah, and for those of you that are, again, I, I have to stress it because showdown is just a very weird format to a lot of people. You, yeah. you have to understand why Mike is explaining the game scripts, explaining the scenarios, explaining the correlations, because that's how you win in showdown. It might seem obvious to some people, but again, a lot of people that are new to showdown, they're just kind of putting in players, and they're not really thinking of like how are those players all going to be successful together. And it's really important that Mike kind of goes through through these progressions, much like a quarterback pre-snap. You're just trying to think of like how is this going to work and that's how it works. He's explained probably four or five lineups in terms of how have they worked with such and such person in the captain spot. We do have a question uh, from Hazlun: Dak and Brady in cash lineup together. Would you use either of them in the captain spot, Mike?
2: Yeah. I th- so for me, the optimal cash lineup is going to be a Tom Brady captain with Dak Prescott uh, in-, in the flex. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll read. I'll give you one of the top projected lineups here for me. There, there are two. You can some can play kickers, some don't. Um, Let's see. How do I want to play this one? Yeah, I'll give you the one with Leonard Fournette and not the kicker one. Uh, it's going to be Tom Brady at captain, Chris Godwin, Dak Prescott, Leonard Fournette, Dott and Dalton Schultz. It's both quarterbacks and their tight ends. Top wide receiver and Chris Godwin and the running back on the Bucs side, the side that we anticipate having more value. All right. And Poor Better asks, do you use a lineup
1: optimizer or do everything yourself? I can tell you, Poor Better, I do a lot of this stuff kind of by myself. But, Mike... Um, you can expand on this, but you're using optimizers and simulators and all that stuff, right?
2: Yes, yeah, I'm running all my numbers through an optimizer here, and it looks at correlations and everything. Yep.
1: And for the record, that's why I think this is such a great show because you're not you're getting kind of two different perspectives, two different ways to build, and uh, I think that makes for a show that has some um, you know kind of different opinions on both sides. So I think that's a uh, that's a really good mix for FFT DFS. Okay, let's go to the tight ends, and then we'll we'll touch on kickers and get out of here unless there's some more questions out there. But I like Dalton Schultz a lot in this game. You mentioned him as, as maybe an optimal play in a cash lineup bucks, really pretty bad against tight ends uh, for the record. Schultz's catch prop. I believe depending on where you look is around four and a half, uh, three and a half in some places, but if it's three and a half, it's juiced to so like 170 or something. His yardage is 38 and a half, which might sound insignificant compared to like, I don't know, Chris Godwin and CD lamb, but that's actually pretty high for a tight end. I like Schultz quite a bit. I think he could find his way into the end zone. Um, I'll, I'll note that Jake Ferguson's only 200. So if you think you need a value piece, he is probably going to be the second in command at tight end. You got Peyton shot as well, but Ferguson usually gets like a catch per game. Again, it's the floor is literally zero, but I'm just throwing that out there of the 200 options. Maybe Mike, you have a better one, but if, if you need, somebody to throw in there. I think Ferguson is on the field enough to justify, but maybe speak to that, but also speak to whether you like Dalton Schultz tonight.
2: Yeah, so I'll start with Schultz. I do like Dalton Schultz. Uh I I'm not building for the scenario where he's an optimal captain, but I am building for the scenario where he is in the off as a flex play. Uh, I think that's probably where he's best suited uh in, in this particular matchup. I, I certainly think that he's going to be relevant. As far as those punts uh at two to three hundred dollars, I don't mind it at all. Um, I think that there's certainly paths to them getting there Um, in certain games. Like we we keep talking about that low scoring game, right? There's a path where one of the two backup tight ends has two catches for 30 yards. And, you know, those five points might be enough if it allows you to have Godwin's Godwin, Evans, CeeDee Lamb, Tony Pollard, all in the same lineup. Uh, And they all have kind of median type games. It's certainly valid. You could say the same thing on the other side with Cameron Brait. He he is back. He certainly lost his job to Kate Otten at this point, but uh, certainly relevant. At $300, there are many scenarios where uh, he he cannot have them. So I think the biggest thing, we talk about this a little bit on two-game slates when we do them and two- and three-game slates over the holidays. It's definitely true here that it's okay to not use all the salary. It's okay to make some of those plays. I wouldn't do it with six of them in the same lineup. But it's okay to make one of those decisions because Cameron Brate or any of these $2 to $300 tight ends never going to be optimal even on a three-game slate most likely. Here they're outscoring two players, right? That at their position essentially they have to outscore two players. It's not the same as outscoring 30 to 50 on a normal slate. So there's certainly a scenario where they're all in play here.
1: Yeah. And just know that when you're playing any of these tight ends, you know, even including Kate Otten, you know, you're taking somewhat of a risk here, obviously. So, you know, the the floor is always pretty low with some of these, you know, second and third, fourth tier pass catchers. But again, if the risk allows you to build your lineup in in such a way that other people aren't building their lineup, and if that risk actually comes through with, I don't know, a high floor or a ceiling outcome, you know, that's how you potentially win showdowns. Let's say, are there any other pass catchers to, to talk about? If not, we can just kind of go to the kickers. How are you playing the kickers this week or tonight?
2: Yeah, I think we've hit all the pass catchers. Uh, I like the kickers. Uh, I always like the kickers in showdown, especially when we get to bigger events like this, um, just because they're not a standard piece, right? They're they're not a standard piece in a normal slate, uh, so they go under owned in a lot a lot of these builds. Um, I like both of them. You you really have to look at Brett Maher for the Cowboys. He's had some massive upside. A lot of that comes from kicking in a dome at times, but he's still been really good outdoors as well. Uh, When you go back and look at his game logs, obviously it was horrible against Washington in that game. I think we can all throw that game out in terms of that wasn't Dallas's best effort. Um, I, I think it's fair to throw that out, right? In the four games before that, he didn't score less than 11 DraftKings points. That is incredibly significant because he's only $3,800. Now go look at every other position around him, even some of the people above him. How often are those players consistently scoring double-digit fantasy points? Uh, It's pretty clear that the kickers become elite value when building these lineups.
1: Yeah. And I can't stress that enough. Cause you mentioned it a lot. You know, you've got suck up at 4,000 Maru. I like better to your point at 3,800. Look at the players around them, like literally in the 4,000 range, the, the 3k range. You know they're typically not as consistent. They typically don't have the floor that a Brett Maher has. So that's sort of the logic there. You're always thinking upside with these guys, and you, you've got this image in your head of like a some 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 random like T.Y. Hilton for example, who I, I don't think it's a terrible play, but catches a 70-yard bomb. Well, yeah, that that's possible. It's also possible he gets zero points on one target. So, you know, the, these this type of consistency, and frankly, there's some upside here against. These, I really think points are going to be at a premium here. I think we're going to see a lot of field goals on both sides of the ball. So I think that makes sense. We do have a question from Cody about the defenses. Are they making it in? Again, you're building five lineups. Are the defenses making it into your builds?
2: They're not going to tonight, but I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I, I don't mind playing them if you're playing a lot of lineups. If I were playing 20 lineups, they definitely would. Um, but yeah, relatively low on the defenses still tonight, despite thinking the game could potentially go under, um, I I don't think we're looking at defensive scores in this game. So I, I don't, uh, I'm not going to end up playing the defenses as much. They're also notably, you know, more expensive than some of the defenses have been on some of these other slates, um, So that's something to keep in mind, especially the the Cowboys. You look at the Cowboys defense, they're all the way up to 4,800 on this slate. Um, Just not something I think I'm going to get to when I think the most likely outcome is six to seven points for them. Um, When, again, we've got those kickers where I think the most likely outcome for the kickers is probably eight points. uh, And they're significantly cheaper. So I'd rather play kickers than guys like Julio Jones, Michael Gallup, Russell Gage any of those guys, uh, I, I think that it's hard to wrap your head around the, you know, they certainly don't have the upside. Any of those guys have, uh, but the, in terms of medium projection, they're, they're projected better than some of those players.
1: Totally agree. And we have, I think, I think we're pretty much set here. I, I I thought this was super instructive. I mean, we, we talked about a ton of different lineups, different constructions, optimal captains. So if you came in here late, make sure you go back to the beginning of the show. Cause we, we started out kind of firing with, optimal captains and in, in flex plays office depot. I wonder if it's the office depot, probably right. Um, probably. The entire company is watching us and they say, happy MLK day folks, happy MLK to everybody out there. And this is interesting from Johannes. I believe it's pronounced Johannes Sanchez. She says that Chris Godwin is going to score 243 points that's the kind of precision that will get you a shout out on this show whether it comes true or not i hope it comes true because then we can cut this up so johannes we really appreciate the very precise prediction okay now we have to do it mike how many points exactly is chris godwin going to score tonight
0: Ooh,
2: i hope it's 30 but i'll say uh 25.9
1: okay i'm gonna go with 23.7 That's, that's going to be the call. Um, Let's put Brian Fletcher's comment up there because I haven't read it all, but it looks pretty complimentary. So, you know, I always, I'm a sucker for those. He says, this is the only show that gives different viewpoints, breaks down the information for DFS players like me, and is very interactive, entertaining, and helpful. Thanks, Mike and C. I swear I'm not Brian Fletcher. That's not like a shadow account where I just type that out. Brian, we really appreciate that. Appreciate everybody being being in here. And uh, we will be back tomorrow, actually five o'clock, where we do our, our regularly regularly time show. This, of course, is a special show that we're doing for Monday Night Football. And then Mike and I together, because tomorrow's the solo pod. Mike and I together will be back at five o'clock on Thursday, talking about the NFL playoffs. Uh, obviously, you know it's Wild Card Weekend. We got another full slate of games next weekend, and we're going to be talking about that with our game by game preview that's thursday at five o'clock then i'll be coming at you tomorrow with an early look at that pricing and to review some of our fft dfs contests from last week where frank stample by the way finished inside the top six in both the saturday and the sunday slate so this is going to be renamed the frank stample show soon enough but for now that's mike mcclure my name is siya najad we appreciate every single one of you being in here whether it's for one second or the entirety of this 35 minute show I will see you tomorrow, we will both see you on Thursday, and that's all we have for now.